when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. I'm Adam Madison, and this is the greatest television show ever. And this is a podcast, and it's called The Munchies Podcast, and I'm on it. I got a show called Dead Sound Life. I'm an OG munchie motherfucker. We got some burger videos. You got the squad fried chicken. You got fucking Keep Canada. You got a bunch of stuff out there. I'm giving you content. Now you can hear me talk about it. Love you guys. Stay tuned. We got Helen Hollyman up into this piece and Phil, fucking sound guy. Way to go, Dick Comb. Perfect. Bye. Listen shortly. God bless America, you motherfuckers. Let's go. Just walking through the munchies, but you never know who you're gonna run into in the munchies test kitchen. It's a crazy ensemble of people. Great. Who are you, and what are you doing here? I'm Adam Matheson. I'm here eating a cookie, and I got a show called Dead Sound Life with Viceland. How's that cookie? It's good. People were saying that it was left out on the counter at the bar in the Vice Lounge. Is that what you guys call it? The Vice Lounge? Yeah. Yeah. On Friday. <laughs> it's Monday. <laughs> it's still a good cookie. So whoever left that tray of cookies out there, thank you. So Dead Set on Life. New season. Wow. Powerful. Awe-inspiring. I've made the show better. The camera guys are better. The sound guys better. Um, still the same guys, but we've just gotten better. Way more food descriptions on this season. People, the biggest thing with food television is people don't can't eat the television, so they really need hosts to really describe food. You need to be a thesaurus of words, and and you know I'm just out there trying to describe food for people. Really putting in the hard work. I did my best. I made the best show that I think I could. You know, I don't know about the editing, like the show that you see. I don't know. That's in Viceland's control. But the show that I did on the camera, gold. I put my heart on my sleeve. I'm out there fighting the good fight, trying to meet people that are interesting and that have built this foundation of food around themselves and that live in that little food house. And then they're looking around and I'm like, what's going on here at this food house? This little foundation, this beautiful thing you've built. And then we just open up these little doors and walk around and we get to see what's in this room. <gasps> oh, this is nice. It smells good in here. And then you hang out in that room for a little bit. And then you go to the other room and you see a little bit of different different sides of people. And I think that this show is just getting... Um, and it's a weird thing to say, but I, I think it, it's... Uh, you know, I've never made television before. And, you know, we made three seasons in the last year and a half. And I think it's just about... Um, I'm maybe getting better on television or... Or I'm more not on television, but like in front of cameras, and I think we're trying to make it like we're trying to make it funnier, more intelligent, more <clears throat> more about food, less maybe about me with my shirt off running around, and and it's about finding that real balance. And I think we've in this season kind of found that balance. For those who haven't watched, explain why it's called Dead Set on Life. The show is called Dead Set on Life. People may not understand what this means, or. Um, you know, why, why, why did the Beatles call the White Album the White Album? I don't know. Maybe hit up VH1 for that. But Dead Set on Life is, I'll give you the long, short, short story long. So there's a band called Husker Du. Me and my friend loved Husker Du. We wanted to open up a bar called Dead Set on Destruction. On Candy Apple Grey, they have a song called Dead Set on Destruction. It's a very fucking good song. We wanted to open a bar called Dead Set on Destruction. And we wanted to make it the gnarliest fucking bar ever. We wanted it to be very, like, drug-heavy, or drug-friendly. Very drug-friendly. Lots of booze. 
serve like maybe one can of beer and like only whiskey or so, like it's a stupid thing. We talked about it mostly high on coke, so it was like one of those kind of things. We wanted to make something that was like the full experience of like a dive, like just pure sadness kind of thing. And so when I had my heart attack from <laughs> using drugs, um, one of my good friends wrote me a gift, like a card, a gift card, uh, a card. Uh, when I was in the hospital and they brought it and they said, I guess you won't be opening up Dead Sun on Destruction. Why don't you do something about like Dead Sun on Life? And um, and then that, that my, my other buddy, like Liam, he, he is in the band. He wrote the theme song or his band wrote the theme song um, for their album. They have an album called Dead Sun on Living, the band Cancer Bats. And so they had that, that album came out what is it? I have a heart attack six, almost six years ago, five, five and a half years ago. So <clears throat> when I, that album came out about, uh, I guess four and a half, five years ago. Um, and, um, when I was trying to think of how to, I was like, I don't want just a fucking stupid name. Like I don't want Maddie eats or like, you know, like it's really tough to figure out and it's really dangerous to like miss call. Like you can't rename your fucking show. And, like, once it's there, it has to be, like, it has to stand out. And um, I think that I took an approach where I was like, yo, treat it like an album. Treat it like a band. Like, what, what is fucking, you know, what is fucking Foo Foo Fighters? Or fucking, what is fucking Nirvana? Or, like, what, what, what is, you know, like, what are, the, what are these bands? Like, what does it matter? Almost, you know? Like, I think it's cool. It's got an acronym, DSOL. Like, it works. It sounds good, dead set on life. You know, people can call it dead set or DSOL. And I liked it. I was just like, yo, this is like treated like a fucking album. And um, and that's why I called, you know, I put that in the hat. And uh, obviously it got picked because it's genius. And I wanted a name that I could back 100%. You know, I wanted to be like, yo, this is my fucking show. This is, this is what I'm doing. I'm fucking me. And this is a personal thing, and it's real, and it's like can't fucking uh, love it or hate it. It's fucking me. So I think that that's uh, why I called the show "Dead Set on Life." <laughs> Take me back. So your life has changed dramatically since dramatically, dramatically, dramatically. Since you had the heart attack. Take me back to that year right before you had your heart attack. What was your the life? year before? Oh, yeah. no one asked that. Yeah. There you go. Ask no one really asked that. The year before my heart attack, I was on my way to killing myself. I was using more drugs than I've ever used. So yeah, I think I think the heart attack was, um, you know, I was 29. Um, I was a chef at a, you know, pretty successful restaurant. Um, I had a massive I used to have a ma- I I used to have a massive ego. Now I'm kind of just like the biggest thing that I think that I've cha- that I have changed by working on myself is that I've like reduced my ego. And and before I didn't have any fucking filters. I I I I was the fucking party guy. I was the chef that everyone to party with or could fucking party harder than anybody or party more or do whatever I would you know I would want to sniff more coke than you or do more MDMA than you or mushrooms or fucking everything and I I love doing drugs I loved loved doing drugs and I loved cooking and um there was the two like you know like there's there's I still to this day it's it's like a relationship like I still think about it often I still miss it you know um, but the year before I was, I was, um, it was right after we opened parts and labor parts and labor was very busy, very crazy. The staff were like, I got no regrets. Like it was fucking animal house. Like the staff, everything was like fucking people hated us. People came to our restaurant. were like, what the fuck is this place? It's because it's big. It's loud. It's fucking, we were running around there like fucking like children, man. We were running around there. Like our parents left like every day. Every day was like your parents left and you got a fucking unlimited amount of booze. And like, fuck, everybody's, every friend's your drug dealer. You know, like it, it was, 
It was it was bananas for for two, three about three and a half years. It was it was cr- it was crazy every day, like every day we'd have, I don't know, forty fifty people stay there till seven a.m. down in the basement, you know, like at least four or five nights a week. Like we would just go down in the basement where we have shows and everything, and we would just hang out down there and fucking party. There's no windows. We'd lock all the doors. And you could fuck it. It was like a casino. And you'd walk out and it'd be 7 a.m., 8 a.m. I've, I've, you know, back then, like, I've spent, I don't know, like 48 hours in that building, you know? Like, I would just, like, sleep downstairs, go upstairs and fucking kind of work and then party again and then kind of go home at 8 a.m. the next day, you know? And, um, and then everyone started, like, after my heart attack, it kind of chilled things out but before it was just like the the heart attack was just like nobody nobody has a heart attack nobody nobody or people do a lot of people have od like people do od but you never you 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 never think it's going to be you or your friend or fucking anything and and so there was no there was no ceiling there was no ceiling at our uh restaurant (laughs) and um and it was just crazy and so um, when, when my opening Chef de Cuisine, when we open, uh, like still to this day, like one of my best friends, Matt DeMille, uh, who's gone on and done amazing, amazing stuff. He left after a year. Cause he's kind of like a straight man. And he was just like, I can't, I, like he got an opportunity. Somebody came to him and asked if they, if he wanted to be a chef at this nice little Italian restaurant. And he was like, see you later. You know, he's like, I can't deal with this. Like, cause he, he, he had a kid in his first year. So he was really mature, really good chef, really good friend of mine. And it really hurt when he left. Um, cause it, it I knew why he left. I, he left cause he got a fucking, he was over it. Like one year of being not on the, like if you're not on the party train and you're watching and still have to run a fucking company, like you fucking have resentments and you have, um, you know, you, you, you fucking hate them. And, you know, I feel, to this day, I still feel really bad about that. Like, putting my friend through something like that. But we're, still to this day, we just laugh about it now. And, um, and it was just, like, chaos. It was, like, literally just chaos. Like, I was in a crazy place. Me and Trish were, like, up and down. She, like, we were just all over the place. And I was in a, I was in, um, I was just riding, 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 riding everything like oh cool we got a good review sweet let's party oh shit we got a bad review let's party oh fuck this band like you know like parts of labor used to be at this cool fucking spot like you know like mac demarco would play there tyvek fucking you know um ty siegel like we used to have like fucking gnarly parties there and like the the like even maddie fest where i'd throw like festivals for my my own birthday and like we would have three-day maddie fests and it would be three days and like I wouldn't even I would fly my friends bands in to play and like I would be blacked out by midnight you know I, I remember one weekend I brought my favorite friend my bet like my best friend's band I used to tour with um, called Lady Hawk we flew them out from Vancouver I don't remember them playing at, they played three nights in a row like headline and I don't remember seeing them you know I don't remember seeing them and it's just like shit like that freaks me out when I think about that kind of stuff but that's where I was at like I would like I would be the guy who would like smash stuff I would be the dude who would smash a light or break something or fucking grab something and break. Like, you know, we had a Super Bowl party one time and I had to comp a whole table's thing because I, like, just started breaking beer bottles on a table next to them and just, like, splashed this whole table with broken beer bottles. And, like, I just, like, was drunk and I was like, comp their whole table. Sorry about that. Fuck off. Fucking comp their whole table. And it was like, and then, like, the manager came. I was like, it's 700 bucks. And I was like, fuck, who gives a fuck? I just sprayed them with glass and beer and, like, fucking comp them. Like, that's what I was like, like, you know, like, that's an insane thing. Like, that's not good business. <laughs> well, I mean, tell me about when was the moment for you that you were like, all right, things are changing. Uh, after my heart attack, but not even really. Like, it was two years after my heart attack that I stopped drinking and doing drugs. So, like, that's the thing. Like, I stopped for about three months after my heart attack. Because I was, like, back to work uh, 10 days. 10 days. Like, I was in the hospital for five days. I was home for five days. Like we were starting, we we just started our catering company. Um, 
we were talking about maybe like doing the burger shop thing uh the dog and bear opened reopened like because it used to be a nightclub called the social so like there was all this stuff kind of going on and uh i was kind of like in the middle of all of it just like drowning and uh and so i i didn't drink for three months and then all of a sudden it was like okay i'm just gonna drink beer i'm not gonna drink whiskey i'm not gonna drink vodka i'm not gonna drink fucking rum i'm just gonna drink beer and then all of a sudden I'd have a few shots and then I, and then that's when I realized that I was like an addict because, because I never questioned it before. I never ever once was like, I need to go rehab. I need to fuck man. I'm fucking this up. Like my ego was crazy. And I'm like, never once did I second like that. I wasn't normal or that I wasn't like in control. I never did. I like until like the day I stopped, like I thought I was in control and, um, and so when I went, yeah, so so after the three weeks, so I started setting these kind of different rules and then I would break them every time. And then I would, you know, I'm really lucky because a lot of my drug dealer friends cut me off. Like I couldn't get drugs from them. Like they were my friend. They were like, I was friends with a lot. I've been buying drugs from for years. And um, I, got, I would get cut off from a drug dealer and then I'd be like, fuck you. And then I'd go to a different bar where no one knows me. And then I'd fucking almost get in a fight because I'd be in a bar just asking people who sells Coke or something stupid. Like, you know, just being like a, an idiot, like an absolute idiot. And so then I just started like doing stuff like that. And then that's when shit got kind of sour because all my friends were like getting really worried because I was like full blown again. And I had to hide it from Trish and and she would be like what the fuck i found like these baggies what the fuck are you doing i'm like they're not mine they're my friend oh, how did they get in there i'm like an amazing manipulator and um you know god god bless trisha man she's a fucking saint she's she's the fucking best but um you know i started like lying like, I never lied before. Like, I didn't care if anyone knew that I did coke. I didn't care if anyone... Oh, what? I do coke? Wow! What are you? Like, if you were to, like... I'd be at a house party, and I'd, like, just pour a bag of coke out on a table and be like, what, I'm gonna go in the bathroom? Like, this, what, are you a cop? Like, what are you fucking talking about? Like, we're gonna do coke here. This is a house party. Are you mental? And that was my mentality. And, um... Yeah, and then... And then, uh, the very last... The very last time that I, you know, I stopped, like, the, <clears throat> sorry, the the very last time that I drank was with Lee Tieran, and he was visiting, we were doing a Northern Chefs Alliance at Buka in Toronto, and I, w I was hosting, like, Lee stayed at my apartment, and we were hanging out for a week, and we never met before, and we just got on, and we were just, I was partying so, we were just partying so hard together. And having such a great time. Um, and I remember it was a Friday night. And I just didn't go to work that day. You know? I just didn't go to work. And I showed up at like 9 o'clock mid-service. Drunk as fuck with like Lee. And and um, some, of the, some of the owners were sitting at one of the chef's tables. And was just like, yeah, you don't know? Friday night? You don't need to, like, work. You don't need to be. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, you're fucking hammered. All, like, it was kind of like just everyone was kind of talk. I was the last one at the party with my restaurant guys. You know, like, everyone was kind of chilled out. Like, everyone had partied and everyone was partiers. But, like, everyone, you know, I was the youngest out of everyone. So it was just, like, kind of not blaming, like, age. But I was the youngest. And, like, these dudes, you know, they're in their, like, later 30s, early 40s. And uh, they kind of like, you know, four years of partying that hard at Parts and Labor. I think everyone was kind of over it. The staff kind of turned over. It was all new staff and there was a lot less drugs and all that kind of shit. And everyone was trying to like clean up and make Parts and Labor a sustainable restaurant, not just like some hype spot. And I was like, <clears throat> I showed up and Richard just came up to me and he was like, you're done. Like not even like took me aside. He just like walked up to me and like. He was like, you're fucking done. And I kind of looked at him as I, whatever. And two minutes later, my drug dealer walks in, gives me bags of Coke in front of him. And, you know, I do a fucking rip back in the dish pit. And, and then 
he just like looked at me and like shook his head and like walked out the door left his people that he was with and uh and lee was like is everything okay like lee was like what's going on here like what's happening i'm like it's fine like you know like it's everything's fine it's cool don't worry like we're gonna drink here all night and everything's great i, I like you know um and then and then uh that was like friday night and then sunday and then I was hungover as fuck. We did the event. I didn't even drink. We did the, the Northern Chefs Alliance thing with, like, you know, a bunch of amazing chefs from Canada and the U.S. And we did this amazing dinner. Um, and then I went home and slept. And then on Sunday, I got a call. Hey, can you meet me here? And then there was uh, intervention. And then it was, it, was, it was small. It was only it was three of my friends and, and Richard, who's my friend. I love Richard, you know, I love, well, I loved everyone in that room. I love everyone in that room. And, uh, and we just talked for a few hours. And, um, <clears throat> and then, then the next day, one of my friends who was there, he went to meetings and then he was like, and then I went to a meeting and, uh, you know, that's like three and a half years ago now. And my life's complete and my life has completely changed. It, it, it's, I'm, I've. You know, I'm a, I'm a better chef. Not that I'm at the restaurant more, but I'm a better chef. I'm a better per like I'm a better person. I'm I'm uh, I'm just in a better place, and I, I and I'm I'm actually in control. Uh, I'm very manageable. Um, I can I can I can. If somebody gives me an opportunity, I can think about it and maybe give a correct answer. Like you know, I can do something with an opportunity now. Rather, before, I'd just be like, fuck it. I'm, like, I was just like, I'm not a chef. I'm just going to be at the restaurant. And, you know, like, I think that life is amazing and it's given me such an opportunity. And, like, now it's like, not that I don't, like, I, I've said it before, but I don't care if anybody never calls me a chef again. I'm mad. Like, I'm me. I'm Maddie, man. I'm just like, I'm fucking Maddie. I got restaurants. I got a TV show. I got fucking my family. Like, I'm, like, I'm cool, man. And I, it's, um... It's all because of like, it's because of opportunity. It's, uh, you know, I was, I was done with alcohol and drugs and I was like, let's focus on other shit. And I've put that energy, the same energy that I would put and the same excitement I would put into <laughs> drugs and alcohol, I've put into life and, 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 and being like, I'm not a millionaire. My parents aren't a millionaire. My my wife's parents aren't millionaires. So, who's gonna pay for all the shit I want to do? I want to pay for the shit I want to do. I want to be successful. I wanna I want to buy a cottage. I want my kids to have Christmas every year. I want to fucking be able to eat three hundred dollars worth of sushi if I want. I want to be able to buy a homeless guy a pack of smokes. You know, like it's chill. Like I wanna I want to be able to take opportunities and make them uh, really cool. And just have a good time and and live life in a different way. Like I want to open up restaurants. I want to like. There's nothing that makes me happier than going into other people's restaurants and you know and um and I want to open I want to open restaurants. I want to I want to I want to be a chef. I want to you know my my biggest goal is to open up another restaurant hopefully one day soon and and cook again. You know, take some time off from TV stuff. And I've done this for like, I've done this stuff for kind of like the last like two years. And now I'm like, okay, this is cool. Traveling is a lot and it's a lot to be away from the family and all this kind of shit. But like, I'd like to really get back into the kitchen and really push myself and try to do something amazing. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, you know, and keep doing television and then try to, you know, build it up to a next step and be like, what, how can I do this? How, how can I take everything now now that i kind of have things how can i take these things and like let them grow now because it's not just like it, it's so funny it's um it's such a marathon it's not a sprint and it's like it, you, you're like you collect these things you're like okay i got it oh sick i have like i, I did a munchies video sick and then like what did i do with i was like i want to do another one i want to do another one yo let me do it something else let me let me let, let, fuck let's do a stupid show Let's do hangover cures. Let's do something. And then all of a sudden it's like, like I, I want, I want stuff. <laughs> I'm an addict. I want what you don't have or what you have, or I want everything. So it's just like, how do I have these things? And how do now, now that I'm kind of like in the arena 
how do I take them and and make it um, have longevity, have integrity, have you know? How do I make a show that I think is fucking great? Keep working at it, you know. Like I think like that's really cool. How do how do I keep the restaurants, uh, you know, sustainable, interesting? People are, are people coming back or are people just coming to see if I'm there and take a fucking photo, or are people coming for food? Most of the time, people are coming for a cheeseburger and a photo, but I'm fucking <laughs> I'm never there. <laughs> so it's like people like you know like it's a funny fucking thing, but it's like how do I how do I I make things that are real, and how do I make thing how do I turn this stuff into um, stuff that I'm really proud of and how do I turn this into stuff that, that makes money and is sustainable and because um, and, it's it's all right now like the world's so ADD right now it's like is there going to be another guy that comes around and starts yelling and swearing and fucking doing stuff like I don't know I don't know I haven't seen anybody do what I, I, I'm doing yet you know like in the like yelly sweary fucking layman's terms cooking shit you know well, I mean, in knowing you and kind of watching you explode into this TV persona, something that we've traveled together here mm. and there in Copenhagen, et cetera, Toronto, mm. et cetera. <laughs> and something that I find both creepy and amazing is whenever you post a picture of where you're eating, Yeah. whenever I've been eating with you, there's always like some young chef or yeah. someone who's a fan who like, races down to come meet you yeah and like we were eating together here in new york one time there was that young chef that yeah, like yeah. came racing up to you and was what did that. he say he just wanted to, i forget he wanted to meet me i don't know he just wanted to ha- people just want to say hi it's it's weird it's not it's not weird but it's like i just <laughs> social media is just crazy <laughs> like people have left some dude left a fucking business card on my windshield parked in front of my house saying this may be creepy but i had a really delicious meal at parts and labor i hope this is your truck and that's i'm really just creepy. and that's really <laughs> creepy but it's like i've put up a picture of my truck i've put up my, i put myself so far out there on instagram and social media and shit like but it's like it's crazy that people are so insane to do stuff like i was eating at a restaurant in montreal and I posted a photo of the menu because I, I, I like my shit's all real time. Like I really don't like like if I'm somewhere, I'll post about it. Like I would never take a photo of something and then the, the next day post about it unless I was like saying something stupid about it or something, you know. But I would never like like my shit is like real time. So <laughs> I'm kind of explaining how to find me. So <laughs> but people do that. Like I was eating at a restaurant. And I'm like sitting there at this nice re- uh, this restaurant called Le Musso in Montreal. It's a tasting menu spot, and I'm sitting down, and some kid just like side saddles me, and I I thought he was like a server or something, and I was just like, what's like what's up, dude? Like right up, close. What, like what's going on? I got my water. Like I'm cool, and he's like, I saw that you posted. You're here. And I was just like, oh, you're well, nice to meet you. Like you instantly just have to be like, what do you do? Like what do you do? Like, do you tell him to fuck off? Do you tell him like, he's a fan. He's stoked. He found, he found me like way to go, buddy. Like, but it's just like, he just walked right in the restaurant too. Like he didn't even like, like a server didn't like bring him in. He didn't go to the hotel. Like he just like bolted through this restaurant and came right up to my table. And it was just like, is that, and they just want to pick. And it's just like, it's so crazy. And I'm just like, like the energy that I, like if I was to be like, like I've never told anyone to fuck off. Like I was one time in a Costco and I'm I got my kid in a fucking baby bjorn and some guy just like comes up, he's like sweating him and his wife just like crazy to see me, and I'm just like that's cool like why 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 is that not cool, that's you know like that person's stoked, that person is stoked so why would I bring that down and for me to just take a second and take a, all they want is a fucking stupid photo so who gives a fuck, like I know that some people are like, crazy like. It is intense. Like, and I'm just this new thing. And it's like, I can't imagine being on television for fucking 10, 15 years or, or like five years or, you know, like, and these people like, uh, like Jerry Seinfeld or like, you know, these people that are like, no, like they're bigger than Jesus, you know, like, or just as big as fucking Jesus, uh, you know? And like, it, it does, it is, it's not, a, it's not annoying. Like, it is brutal. My wife hates it. Like, we want to move, you know? Like, Trish is like, everyone knows where... Like, this is... Every time we... But it's crazy. Like, every time we walk outside of the house, 
people are like, you live here? And you're like, what do you, what's up, man? Like, what do you say? Like, you, like, yeah, man, what's up? Do you want to come over and check out my toys? Like, what are you fucking, what are you doing, man? Like, who acts like, like I've never done that to anyone. Like, if I wanted a photo, like, if I ever wanted a photo, it's like, I do it to chefs. You know, like, I'm obviously the selfie guy. I do it to people. But it's in funny situations. Like, when I take selfies, like, like, uh, you know, like, fucking Leo DiCaprio. I was going to say Leo. Yeah. Leo. Leo's the that? biggest. I feel like Leo's the, <laughs> but I was in a circle. Like, I don't know if I should even talk about this, really. But, you know, like, I, I was in St. Bart's. And, like, you know, and Shane and Sarouche and a bunch of people were in St. Bart's. And we were at this party. It's like, Rick Rubin, Chris Rock, Leo DiCaprio, fucking... Jimmy Buffett <laughs> and we're all in this like we're I'm like standing in a planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with Quince Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like European linen premium luggage options buttery soft Italian leather bags and so much more and it's all priced at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands plus Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Circle, fucking watching Leo DiCaprio vape. And I'm just like, yo, man, you're cool in, like, Gilbert Grapes. And he was just, like, laughed. And then, like, you know, like, you got to give something. And I feel like... um like, I find it really crazy because people don't even... Like, I'm always like... If they're coming up to me, they know my name. But I'm always like, hey, what's up, man? I'm Maddie. Like, what, what what's your name? Like, who... Wh- what's your... What's up? And they're always like, oh... Like, they always seem like... It's crazy because they only want the thing. And that's the thing that's kind of bumming... Like, bumming me out now because it's like... It's so relevant. Like, it's so... um. It, it, like, they don't even give a fuck. They just want the thing. And it's just the kind of that's the bummer. I think it's like, yo, what's up? Like, how are you doing? Or because there's times when it's like the sweetest things, the best things. When I was in fucking, I was in Perth, and this fucking kid came up to me, and it almost made me want to like cry. And he was like, I used to be like 400 pounds, and and just the way that you live your life, like made me lose. I've lost over 150 pounds, and he didn't even ask for a picture. And he just wanted to share that story. And I'm like, why would I inspire you to lose? I'm like fatter than I've ever been. And I'm like, fucking, I'm like, okay, that's amazing that whatever you took from my life, like maybe because I stopped doing drugs, like, I'm like, whatever people took, but that kid took something and it has like, it, it has changed his life. And like, that's so sick. And it, I was just like, yo man, that's cool. Like we like hugged and it was like super chill. And then he just like, he was like, I'm good. And I was like, now that's an interaction. Like didn't ask for the pick and wanted a connection. And, like, we hugged, and it was, like, tight, and it was fucking... And that kid inspired me, you know? Well, and I remember, that, I mean, when we were at Attaboy together, I remember the young chef that came up to you was like, hey, I'm actually, like, a recovering addict, and you really inspired me. Oh, really? And, um, That's cool. Yeah, and, like, you know, I my question to you is, why, having worked in the restaurant industry myself, Partying, drinking, etc. It's part of the culture a lot of the time. Yeah. Like, why do you think addiction and the restaurant industry happen? Uh, I think it most because uh, it's e- it's it's not easy. It's um, it's it's flies to shit. What business can I work at where I drink all day? What business is it where I can like cook all day and I get rewarded at the end of the shift for the beer? Like what what business um, model is it that I should drink the best wines in the world and share them with these people? And like if I sell a fucking $500 bottle of fucking Brunello or some bullshit fucking to this table, they're, they're going to give me maybe a glass, you know? Um, and, and, and you're, you're a, a, like... We set the tone. Like a really good restaurant, the team sets the tone and creates the vibe. And then those people are a part of that play and a part of that environment. And sometimes the team, you know, you turn into your own, you create the monster. And every single night you got to be in that environment. 
Every single night after the shift, you sit around and you drink and you bitch and you smoke smokes and you talk about tips or talk about your fucking, the cook who fucked up at your table or the cooks are talking about the fucking front of the house or, you know, like, it, 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 and they're talking about it together and they're fucking bitching and it's like, it's like camaraderie. It's like they're hard days. Um, it's romantic, you know. It's, uh, it's a lot of, you know, I think it's just a lot of, um, a lot of resentments too like back like in a sense of like when you would drink at other people like when i was a young cook and working at people's restaurants that i didn't i wasn't friends with the owners or like i didn't know like we were like fuck these dudes let's keep drinking these pints and you always have these weird resentments of taking advantage of these restaurants and being like they fucking i don't get paid well or fucking i'm working fucking 70 80 100 hour weeks i'm gonna drink fucking 25 pints tonight on the fucking restaurants tab. Like, there's so many different variations of what creates, um, or what, what makes, glorifies, or what, what, what magnifies addicts, or whatever. And it's an outsider kind of thing. Like, you don't need a fucking, you don't need a degree. You don't need a, you don't need schooling. You don't need, all you gotta do is to be able to do your job. And there's not a lot, like, there is a lot of jobs like that, but it's like, it's not a lot of jobs where you can walk in there and start off as a dishwasher and be a fucking chef de cuisine within five years if you really fucking wanted it, you know? Because if you're – if whoever's the best chef in the room is probably going to be the chef de cuisine, you know? And it's like you can start at such a – you can start at the dishwasher. You can start at the lowest position and then you'll be a garmage and then you have fucking, you know, doing prep or garmage and then you go and sauce it. Like, you know, you're a sous, junior sous chef and then you're – whatever and all of a sudden you're a chef de cuisine and i think like that is like a really amazing thing um but i think it, it, it just um it, it, it it's it's about it's a lot of outsiders a lot of outsiders a lot of in the kitchens at least i i don't like i the front of house i don't know i think it's just about having that family too you have that family everyone's dysfunctional everyone can you know it's like therapy after shifts and you just like bitch and fucking smoke cigs and drink fucking perno or whatever the fuck you're doing i don't know man it's just like it, it's a it's a snake eating its own tail at the end of the day man like it goes on forever and it's and it's different like it's not always this and that's the thing like everyone always in, in, i'm like what my story is and my experiences, I've only worked at in fucking four kitchens in my life. Like in, in the before restaurant, like like before we opened restaurants. So it's like, I only have perspective on myself and like, but it seems that it's the case. And I don't know what it's like in big fine dining restaurants and crazy, there's a different abuse level in those kind of places. But like, I know the mid-level bistros and like, you know, um, the kind of downtrodden line cook kind of life, you know? I never had a mentor. And I, I only had, like, chefs that I used to fucking resent and hate and I never saw on the line. And um, and that's why, I like, we would drink at restaurants and just be like, yo, fuck everyone. We're fucking drinking tonight. And we'd just do it every night. <laughs> you know, before you were talking about ego <coughs> and how you had a massive ego and thinking forward to like where you are now and all that you've accomplished you've seen the world you've seen a lot of it you've gone to a lot a little of bit i say a little bit i still haven't even <laughs> been to spain or italy or yeah let's go there together but like yeah, let's go if you could give one piece of advice to either your former self as like a young chef yeah. or just to like young chefs that are out there right now like what do you think the biggest struggle is from your perspective in relation to ego or just challenges as a chef? Um, I think it's about putting in time. I think a lot of... Um, I didn't... I, ne I never wanted to be a chef. It definitely wasn't in, like, my game plan when I was ever anything. Like, there was no moment where I was like, I'm going to be a chef when I grow up. And there was never a moment when I was going in cooking school being like, even when my chefs would be like, are you going to be a fucking chef or a bricklayer? 
Like, we had this one German chef, uh, Jürgen Lidner, Chef Lidner, and he would fucking always be like, you're fucking Black and Decker. You're fucking bricklayer. Get the fuck out of here. And he was like this really harsh, amazing German chef. And and still, I'd, like, he would say that, and I'd be like, well, fuck, I, I want to be a chef. No, fuck. Like, I would say it out of, like, spite, but, like, I'm like, as soon as I say it, I'd be like, do I want to be a chef? Like, because I was like, in cooking school, I was like, those are chefs. I'm like, I don't want to be like these dudes. Like, I, I don't, I didn't, like, really see myself being these, like, big European crazy <laughs> chef dudes, you know? And, like, all my chefs in cooking school were, like, Scottish, Irish, British, and German. And, uh, and they were all really intense. And, uh, and I was like, I don't know if this is for me, man. I'm just like some punk kid. And I'm like, I'm just going to call. I'm trying to just go to college and I live in a city so I can go see like punk shows. And I'm like, I don't fucking what. And, but I think the advice is the time. Like I, I was loyal to my restaurants when, um, when I figured out that I was like, okay, I need to do work. And like, this is the only job I can really want that I really want to do. So I think I think putting in the time, and I think everyone really, really wants to. Everyone wants to rise really quickly because it is hard work, and just because you can make a nice pate on crew, doesn't mean you can run a fucking restaurant. And just because you can cook really, really, really well, doesn't mean that you can fucking run a restaurant. And I think that the biggest thing is people like i think a lot of people understand what it takes to run a restaurant but i don't really think people understand what it takes to run a fucking restaurant and i think the biggest thing is to like learn how to fucking cook really well and probably take a few business courses throw some business courses in there really understand food costs and labor costs and fucking how to do proper inventory and like that kind of shit and like just because people are fucking hashtagging Swan Yay and you got a coon spoon doesn't mean you're fucking a chef. And it doesn't mean that, like, you know, like, even myself, like, I'm stoked. Like, we close, like, we close P&L Burger and I'm, like, stoked. And it's, like, it's not about every fucking W. It's about being able to sit back and be like, yeah, no, that didn't work. And okay with that. And, and that takes time and it takes, like... Like, I didn't leave, you know, P&L Burger, like, having that, like, sense of, like, yeah, that just didn't work. That's business. And, like, not letting it hurt. Like, it's not, it's not because I'm a fucking great chef. It's, like, the location didn't work. Fucking labor's harsh. Beef prices are crazy. It's, like, how do you sell something under $10 that caught, like, every time we sold a burger, I think we lost $3. You know? Like, it's a crazy thing, but it's, like... It just wasn't a good business. And I think, like, a lot of people don't understand, like, there's a lot of really good cooks out there that don't have fucking successful restaurants. And I think learn from those guys. Learn from the mistakes and, like, learn that. Um, and to be loyal, too. Like, go, you you will learn more if you stay at a restaurant longer than fucking six months. I'll tell you that much. Like, all these guys are running around, getting all the resume. Their CV looks real great because they worked at fucking 25 restaurants. But it's like, I look at that and I'm like, you don't stay. Why would I hire you? You just want to come and learn one. You're coming here for one specific thing. You've taken the time to figure it out. But the one thing I'm on my menu is that you want to come and learn. And then you're going to come and learn it. And then you're going to fuck off. And it's like, that's what I see those people as not parasites. Because they are learning their craft. But, it, but it's like, go work somewhere for like two years. Go learn for two years and then like why do you want to be a fucking chef like you're trying to get on the Forbes 30 under 30 shit like I don't know like I don't understand these goals and like I guess it's just kind of different goals because it's like all my shit just happened organically and very kind of like I, I was just like falling over myself into every position I've gotten into but it's like and now I'm 35 and it's like I've opened five places in like six years and you know I've closed one and, and that's okay. And I think that kids need to put in time and learn, I think, ah, fax machine. There's a fax machine. <laughs> We're going to fax. Someone is faxing the munchies office right now. I'm fearless. Let's talk about fears real quick. I'm fearless. All right, so if you were on a desert island, who is the celebrity that you invite to come to dinner? 
what are you eating and what's the one piece of cooking equipment that you can't live without <laughs> so I'm on a desert island and I have to invite a celebrity you don't have to I mean maybe it's just like someone that you want to hang out with besides your wife Trish who's lovely because she's, she's already she's there she's there Max son, there Matt, yeah he's there your um, whole family's there who well, I don't know. It's a big question. Like, what, 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 what do you do? Like, do you say something sincere? Do I say, is this the moment? You're like, I would love to invite my grandmother, who I never met, my dad's mom, you know, Nanny Nanny Matheson. I never met her. And when she passed away, we lived in Nova Scotia, and she passed away in, in uh, Newfoundland. And she was a phenomenal cook. And when my dad was growing up, they had this... They, they had a farm with a, a meat, uh, like a slaughterhouse and meat market on the farm. And she used to cook a ton of food and a lot of uh, amazing meals. And my dad would always talk about them and still does. And I never got to experience any of that. And I think like, um, I've cooked dinner for my grandfather, both my grandfathers and my grandmother. But I've never got to like cook a meal for, uh, you know, my dad's mom. Maybe that. Is that nice? That's nice, right? Oh, yeah. I approve of that. And then I would make... <clears throat> get choked up here. The, uh... What would I make? I don't know. I don't know. See, then that's the thing. She's, like, she's old school. She's old school. Make her, like, a Jig's dinner. Just make her a Jig's dinner? She wouldn't want that. She wouldn't want a Jig's dinner on a beach. I'd make her some, like, grill. Make a grill? I have a grill, and I would grill up some fresh seafood. You know, just grow some fresh seafood, sprinkle some, some, there'd probably be a, be a tree with a pineapple, maybe, uh, you know, cut up the pineapple, maybe salsa, <laughs> some mango, some mango chutney with some shrimps. No, I don't know. I don't know what I'd cook. I don't know. There's not that thing. I like everything. There's too many, there's too many options. You can't like. All right. I'd like to hang with her though. I'd like to hang with her on the beach and chill and we could cook some food. I want to ask food poisoning in general. You've traveled the world. You've had some food poisoning. What is just... I had my worst... I had my... I've had food poisoning three times in my life. I don't count diarrhea as food poisoning because I have diarrhea all the time. I'm like, (laughs) if I poo solid, then I'm kind of like, what's going on, you know? But... I ate, I don't even know. I ate at this sketchy Chinese spot uh, when I was here last time for when I did the Chef's Club dinners. We went out on the last night and ate at some fucking Chinese restaurant. Me and Morgan and I. I got back to my hotel room and I was like fucked. And then. And then like. We got back at like midnight. By like 1.30, I was like in the shower, like hurtled up like a like a like a victim on SVU or something. You know, like it was like I was shook. And I was just like, what do I do? I was like, what the fuck's going on? And I wasn't like shitting and barfing. It was like my body was like I was like delirious and like I was I didn't know what was happening. I've never felt like it before. And then I got like frozen. So I like went into the I went into the the bed and I brought a hair I put on uh, I had like one of those like bubble jackets with the hoods, like a Patagonia bubble jacket with a hood. I put that on and then I got in the blankets and then I took a hair dryer and put a fucking hair dryer under the blankets and just heat it just and I was like and I couldn't stop shaking for hours. For hours. Literally hours. And I had so many moments where I'm like, do I call, like, do I call 911? I'm in America. I don't know. I'm like, did I get traveler's insurance? Like, I'm like, I don't know what the fuck's going on. I'm like, fuck. And I thought, like, I never, ever have had something that, like, crushed me like that. And then I shit a bunch and, like, barfed a bunch. But it was, like, something that was insane. And uh, that was somewhere in Chinatown. I forgot. I forgot the place. It was. Did you call the restaurant the next day? Did I call? Yeah. No. It's probably from like a weird chopsticks or fucking someone dripped chicken on my fucking Coca Cola or something. You know, like I was thinking, like it's always from like the weird thing. Like, what's it from, really? You know, someone dragging a box of fucking chickens 
over like a case of Coca-Colas and like that little chicken blood drips down through those cases, gets on the little lip of that Coca-Cola and you'd sip that Coca-Cola without that straw. <sighs> Dance with the devil. But I don't know. Like you never know. I don't fucking know. Who knows? Food poisoning. People that call and they're like, something happened. Like I've been at some restaurants where I'm like, that's not good. You know, I've, did you really have to age that beef for a hundred and fucking seventy five fucking days and like it's room temp and it's like what's going on here, my dudes? And uh, there's some stuff which is like, especially with like chefs and fermentation now and like a bunch of stuff. Like people are going buck, and I'm like, do you guys are you guys actual scientists or are you guys just like fucking doing shit? Like, where's your litmus test on this fucking goddamn cabbage? <laughs> you know, what's going on here? Or, like, where, where's... Why are you so knowledgeable? You've read the fucking fermentation book, and all of a sudden you're a fucking PhD on fucking what the fuck? Get out of here. You're going to get someone sick. If you could get rid of a fad or anything in the restaurant world, what's, like, the one thing? Like, for me, it would be, I don't know, tweezers. Tweezers? I don't give a fuck about tweezers. A lot of really great food is played with tweezers. I think people misusing things. People misusing Instagram. People misusing tweezers. People misusing fucking words. And, like, there's such a facade in the world right now. And what is a chef? And what isn't a chef? And what the fuck? And why do people have followers? And why people don't have followers? And, like what like instagram food specifically like driven restaurants or chefs and i just think it's all fucking stupid and i think the misuse of people work really hard and use tweezers and their food's fucking amazing then fucking use tweezers but you got some fucking asshole planting fucking some stupid fucking microgreens on his fucking bullshit fucking dummy food that he doesn't know how to fucking cook properly and he's out there on Instagram fucking tweezering and doing something like that and then you're just a fucking poser and it's just like I think <clears throat> and that's why I don't like I take the thing where I'm like I don't care don't call me a chef I don't care am I in the restaurant every day no I'm not but it's cool and like the chef chef thing to me is, is something not even of a dying breed or anything but it's just like it's just not me. I'm, I, I'm like, I'm in my own lane. I want to do TV. I want to do things. I want to do that. But, like, that's me. But, like, the fads, I don't know, man. Like, Instagram is, like, Instagram's changed shit. Instagram has completely changed shit. It's funny to think that, like, I opened Parts and Labor and there wasn't Instagram. Like, it's a crazy thing. Like, we didn't, like, what did we do? put? You'd, you'd never put up photos of food. Like, because then that would make you a foodie. And foodies were, like, losers. And now everyone's a fucking loser including my I'm the biggest loser <laughs> you know like that's the funny thing like if you put up a photo of food fucking five years ago you were a foodie and like the term foodie back then meant something and you were a fucking loser blogger looking for free food because you put a fucking 12 photos on tumblr link to your facebook or something you know and it's like and now it's just instagram's fucked Food's the biggest thing. Everyone wants content. You know, munchies. Shout out. You guys put people on their heads. Everyone <laughs> wants to be a munchie, you know? Like, it's a, it's changed. The world's changed, and um, I don't know. Is it better or worse? I don't know, but it's it's going. And it's going to keep going, so that's why I just want to just do my thing. I think that's the best thing. People just stay in your own lane, you know? Find the lane. People have to find the lane. It's, it's some some people it's a little foggier than others and then once you find that lane just stay in your lane do what you do and and be the best you you know a lot of posers out there though shout out to all the posers shout out to all the posers all the trolls you know people commenting telling 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 mean things why do people say mean things Right? That's the thing that I, I don't understand. I, that drives me that drives me up the wall. Trolling on a like a series like like why would you tell me on my Instagram that my kid looks like he's a fucking piece of shit or something? Like people say stuff about like and it's like I like I don't even give a like I'm like they're saying something about my family. Like not even on that tip, it's like who said something like that? Like and you go look at it, it's like a troll it like it's like they got like they have like three followers and they follow 700,000 people and they got like six posts and it's private. 
You're like, what is that? There's a there's just bots that harass people's children or food or like, you know, I love it, man. Because everything's a target. Everything's so easy now, right? Like every time like I put up a photo, I'm like, every time I put up a photo, I almost have to troll it before. So then I, I'm like, okay, is it troll free? <laughs> like, so I, I like hold the photo and I'm like, I look at everything. I'm like, oh, fuck. Or I don't. Like, sometimes I just throw shit up. But it's like, if I put up, like, a food pic, I'm like, okay, what would I make fun of on this? Because everyone makes fun of everything. So I'm like, what would you make fun of on this? And then I look at it. And I'm like, okay, no, it's good. And then I'll put it up. And then, like, five minutes later, I'm like, ah, fuck. Because I don't delete anything either. I think deleting photos is whack. It's like, you kind of, like, you made your bed with that post. You got to leave it up there, you know? What... Just like, rambling. This podcast is brought to you by <laughs> rambling. <laughs> Fucking who cares what the fuck I am saying. Fuck. <laughs> Do you know what? Did I ever tell you the real story why I started yelling? No. Because I didn't think the microphones could hear me. Because like I was so far away on a horse. Like the first time I think I really yelled was when I was like on a horse in Calgary. And I was just like yelling. Because I was like on the ridge of a mountain on a horse and being like, I needed to yell. And then I just started kind of doing it. Because I didn't think the microphones could hear me. That That's the real reason why I started yelling. And then all of a sudden it turned into a thing and now it's a thing. So now I yell and now everyone loves or hates the yells. But, but they're do still they think here. it's real? What? Do people like think that you actually yell? Like that's your normal inside voice? Yes. People, always, like, people are like, what? You don't sound like... Do you want to hear the craziest story? I was fucking... Someone... Um, someone... I had, like, a fraudulent uh, cell phone accounts. I had two two cell phone numbers set up somehow with my, my shit. I got frauded, whatever. And I called my fucking cell phone company. And this kid was like... I was, like, giving them my info. And I was like, yeah, my name's uh, Maddie Matheson. And he was like, wait, what? And I was like... I don't, what? I was like, my name's Ma- my name's Matthew Matheson, and he was just like, "Are you like, che- are you the cheeseburger guy?" And I was just like, and it was like a nine at night, and I was just like, "Yeah, I get like, yeah, I am, but I'm calling you about someone fucking. I got three thousand dollars worth of cell phone bills on my goddamn fucking number, I'm calling about fraud, my dude." And he was just like, it doesn't sound like you. I don't believe that this is you. And I'm like, I'm calling about fraud right now. And you're fucking telling me that you don't believe that it's me. And some motherfucker can come up here and get cell phones. And you're telling the real guy that it's not. And he's like, well, it just doesn't sound like you. I'm like, I am fucking very upset. It's nine at night, which is late for some reason now. <laughs> I'm saying nine at, nine at night like it's fucking three in the morning. I'm like, it is nine at night. I'm a fucking 75-year-old fucking hen. And I'm like, and, and he couldn't believe it. He was like, I just don't believe it's you. So what'd you do? I didn't do anything. I told him to give me his fucking manager. Because I was just like, I need to figure this out. And I was just like, I don't give a, f-. like, I was, started, I was just like, dude. Like, he's like, it doesn't sound like you. I'm like, I'm not yelling. Like, I, like and I was like yelling at him, being like, it's fucking, I'm not yelling. Like, what do you want me to do? Fucking, it's me, it's Maddie. Like, why do I have to justify who I am? You have my fucking password. What's my mom's maiden name? I'll fucking tell you, motherfucker. You know, like, I'm like, I'm giving you the info. Give me your fucking manager, you piece of shit. Not really, he was a nice guy, but he was just like, that was funny though. I was like, I'm calling about fraud, and this fucking kid is like, I don't believe it's you. I'm like, why the fuck don't, who can't, okay, it's not me. It's not okay. Sorry, I made a mistake. I'm not Maddie Matheson. Can I still please speak to your manager and figure out why someone has three thousand dollars worth of cell phone bills on my bill? Fucker. Take that back, Kelly. So, <laughs> Kelly. Hel- Kelly. I'm Kelly Hollyman. Oh, Kelly Hollyman. Kelly. Kelly. Kelly Holly. Yeah. Kelly. Kelly. If you guys ever meet this beautiful, strong, intelligent, caring. Just perfect. A star. Uh, a human star. Her name is Helen Hollyman. It's not Hallie Hollyman. And it's not Holly Holly Hollyman. Her name is Helen. And she's from Texas. And she's amazing. So get her name straight, freaks. Aw, oh, thanks. Thanks, buddy. That was for you. Thank you.
I know you've wanted to say it publicly <laughs> on your podcast for quite some time. Well, I'm Maddie Matheson, and I just did a beautiful podcast, powerful podcast with Helen Holliman and Phil Domahovsky. Shout out to Phil and all the Polish people out there. Goddamn love you. This podcast will be the best one that's ever happened because you know what? Your big boy's down here doing his thing. This one goes out to all the big dogs. Keep smelling around those butts, guys. You're going to find something that works one day. God bless America. And it's Helen Hollyman, not Holly Hollyman. Act right. Bye! Describe that stale cookie that you just ate. How would you articulate that? Um, it was kind of crumbly. See, this is the thing. It, 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 it's you need to be a thesaurus of words, and it's more about like that cookie was like chewing on, like, um, like, like if you had like a little um, bag full of sand, like a little kind of chewy bag of sand, and then had like little chocolate chunks in it. And uh, the bag broke after you gnawed on it, soaked it up a little bit, and so it was kind of moist sand, kind of crispy, crunchy sand. It was kind of like a crumbly, dry sandbag full of cookie crumbs and uh, chocolate, chocolate chunks. So that was kind of, that's kind of how you get to where you need to be on television. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.